Michael Cicero from Forbidden, and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Phantasm. Maximum Terror. That's your target audience, baby! Phantasm. You know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm. Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Phantasm. But yeah, no, no, Mega Wave was a real good, uh, real good experience. I don't think real good is actually how I should say it. It was a great experience, uh, actually putting the, the pedal to the metal, so to speak, and being, a, you know, I went into that record wanting to write the most metal record that I possibly could. You and, did? And with, with a sense of humor as well, that I, I don't think people quite understand. Some do. The ones who like us most really do understand there is a bit of dark humor in everything we do. It's sure. not like Monty, they're not quite Monty Python, but it's there, and there's tongue-in-cheek within the lyrics, and there's... You know, there's also a lot of, uh, you know, philosophy and, and you know, the, the forces of, of your your na- brain's nature fighting against each other. There's a, there's a lot of, like, psychological stuff in there. But, but I think with Omega Wave, we just really leaned into uh, all the conspiracy stuff wrapped into one. And, you know, how many times can we say death and die? You know, like, it, it was really fun doing it. I, I, and, it and I, you know, I meant every fucking word. And I had a, a I had a, a vision that something was going to happen to people in the next few years where they couldn't differentiate anything that was coming off the internet anymore. You know, I, I just felt like there was going to be a moment where people were going to stop questioning things and, and fall into their belief, uh, category sure. and just uh, dive all the way in and sure enough it didn't take long but that was really the gist of what the song Omega Wave was about you know uh, just like once the, the point of no return of, of everybody just kind of you know falling into the white noise of the internet and if, you know just picking their side picking their color picking their team and just you know going full tilt war with it and sure enough if that didn't happen you know, so yeah, it was it was, it was there was a lot of a uh, a lot of uh, humor and fun writing that record and coming up with the heaviest riffs that we could possibly come up with, and you know, it was it was a cool experience. Uh, a lot of effort put forth. You know, I mean, we wrote Twisted in the Form basically four months, and uh, you know, but then the, the, the four years it took to get the next album out. So there's always going to be a lot of work put into it. But I can tell you that, uh, you know, I, I got to give credit to every guy who was involved in that, that record and writing that record. I mean, it's just the majority of it was, was me, but I, I worked every day with Mark Hernandez, uh, the drummer at the time, and we, we worked a lot on, on arranging that stuff and really ironing shit out. And then Steve Smythe would be, you know, sending me stuff, and then I'd be working in the songs, and then he would be able to come, because he was living in London at the time. Okay. But we would, you know, we were doing, before Zoom, you know, we were doing Skype meetings, and, you know, I was showing him stuff, and he's trying to learn it, and then he would add his own flair, you know, vice versa. So there was a, this this uh, conglomeration of people really trying to work together. Matt was working hard on his part. Sure. Russ, 
Russ really dug in with me, and he came up to my house every day to, uh, well, not like at least four days a week to sit down and, and you know hash out lyrics and melodies, and um, it was it was a concerted effort by all five of us, and uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the work everybody did. I, you know, you're going to see a group of interviews that we did because the first thing we did before we even did a photo session, because I, I, I told the guys, I'm not going to do a photo session with this lineup until we hang out a bunch and until we, we do some interviews to explain how this actually happened. Okay. No bullshit. No, you know. So what was really cool about that is we all sat in a room together and we got interviewed one by one and told our story. And, and everyone had a slightly different version of it, but it was all of our stories. So I said, now you guys know each other better, right? And everyone's like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's what we're doing here, you know? So nice. It, it was, it was, a, it was you know, an effort by me to make people within the band feel like they, they had a better grip on what we're doing, why we, why we were doing it. And it was not something that I wanted to do without Russ ever. I always said, there'll never be a forbidden without Russ. People like try to fire that back at me. I'm like, yeah, I said it, but that's my choice. You know, like, and, and Russ is not interested at all in touring, writing music, playing music, singing the song. He's living a sober life now. He, you know, he had to quit drinking to save his life. He was going to die. Oh, God. And, yeah, he was in bad, bad shape. And I went and visited him. He called me one day, and I said, give me your address. I'll come visit you. I went the next day, and he was, you know, really not in good shape. And we, and a, a few of us pulled together, Matt included, Mark Hernandez included, and a few other friends, and we got him into a rehab, and he started his process. And, you know, it, it's either, you know, drink and die or just live. Yeah. And being, being in a band and doing music, it puts him in a venue every night, like, where he's compromised, and then, you know, you got to look at the next guy, like, don't, don't drink around him. Like, it's just not conducive to sure. true alcoholics situation. He's not... You know, he doesn't have that kind of willpower, and I, you got to respect that. Well, it's better than what it was, and, and, and you know, to what degree, but, you know, he, it's funny, we were talking a lot over the years, and then he just kind of got real quiet, and, I, you know, I had to reach out to his sister, because we were, me and Matt were trying to get a hold of him, like, hey, you know, hey, Russ, give us a call, we got some things we want to talk to you about. This sure. Time. This is not even barely a month ago. Yeah, because this all happened fast, dude. This wasn't like some slow movie. People are going to say, well, the interthrational thing that we had with Skinner singing, that started me thinking it was possible, but I didn't want to do it. But getting back to Russ and his sister, I, I had to reach out to her because he lives in the same town that she lives in. And she was like, yeah, he's doing really good, and this and that and the other. And, and she's like, yeah, he said that you were trying to get a hold of him, but he's afraid that you're going to ask him to join the band again. I'm like, no, 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 no. I know he's not joining the band, so you can let him know. So I had her to explain everything. She's like, cool, he's cool with it, you know? Right. He just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, like, delve into any of this stuff because it brings up painful memories of his life. So sure, of that's course. that. So, so as far as getting Skinner, Norman, like I said, he was a hero out here. He is a hero out here. People love him. People love his voice. They love his stage presence. He's got a great positive demeanor and uh, he's just like he's a badass and he's doing his own thing and we were get, doing this thing Bay Area Interthrational where we were bringing it to Europe and it was something I was in charge of putting musicians together where we're playing the original thrash classics but with you know like Metallica Exodus Testament uh, Death Angel Forbidden Violence and we added a Slayer song and a Megadeth song too so we 
he did that at the Dynamo Festival, but all my singers were in other states or countries at the time. None of none of the singers that I was bringing out there were local. But he was on tour with Death Angel at the time. So Chris Contos, our new drummer, says, why don't you give Norman Skinner a call? And I said, oh, yeah, Skinner's good. I'll, I'll give him a call, see if he can go through these songs with us. So I literally called him just to go through the songs with us at practice, right? So we were going through all those different songs. And then, you know, the Forbidden song that I, I had to choose the easiest song to play, you know, because Forbidden's material is incredibly hard. It's harder to play than all those other things by, in some cases, a long way, in some cases, at least a little. It's just a weird pickup notes and things that guys don't catch. So uh, I chose Off the Edge. And then in, awesome. in one of the rehearsals, I go, yeah, we should probably run through it one time. And I didn't think about it. But I mean, I had, in the room at the time, was Steve Smythe, myself, Mac Camacho, and Mark Hernandez. That's the Omega Wave lineup. And Norman Skinner. And then everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah. And, and we started playing it, and I realized, holy shit, we're not playing this. None of us that are in this room are going to play this song in Europe. <laughs> I'm like, none of us. Like, what are we doing? But I was <laughs> like, okay, we'll go. Oh, we'll go for it. So we, we went through it, and, and as, as we got to the vocals, and, he, and Norma started singing, I was like, I just like, did a double take of a blah, 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 you know? And then I turned to my left, and right in front of me is the door to the room, and it opens up, and Chris Contos opens the door and his eyes are big and he just looks at me like whoa and then Harold O was behind him and they both just had this crazy look on their face that he slowly closed the door because they heard it and I you know so I'm like okay that was way back in July okay okay and then we go to Europe we do our thing uh, then I, I got to get ready for international show that we're doing locally at the Great American Music Hall which is a beautiful venue out here nice and and we were going to do like 30-something songs, and I wanted Norman to be a part of it and sing a few. I said, well, I'll just have him do the Forbidden song. I, I, did, I did sing the chorus. But I, the night before, when they came into town from L.A., because they had to come up from L.A., and they rehearsed at uh, SIR here in San Francisco, which is a really big uh, rehearsal place. Sure. So they came in, and when they did Chalice with Norman, and I just sat down in the room to watch it and see it happen, as soon as he started singing, everyone turned and looked at me. <laughs> I mean, just like, like I felt the room all look at me like, I'm like, yeah, I hear it too. So then comes the show, and in the midst of the chaos and all the, you know, 30-something songs, and I, I had to play 23 of them myself. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was, yeah it, was, it was busy. But when we got to the last set, which was the Bay Area Thrash set, I had Warbringer come out for the centerpiece and do that song with them. And... Norman, you know, started singing it and they started playing it and it was the craziest the crowd went the whole night. Uh, it was, I was like, whoa, okay, there's your biggest pit, there's your biggest, I, I looked out there when it started and then he started to scream and I was like, all right, this is pretty rad. And then I, he started singing and I felt the same thing. Everyone just turning and looking at me on the side of the stage like, are you seeing this? Sure. Yeah, I'm hearing it, I'm seeing it. But that didn't even sell me and it wasn't, I knew it could be done, but I still had, you know, I had my band Dress the Dead that I was, like, focusing on doing new music with, and we just played Dynamo this last year, you know, oh, like, cool. the boneless ones, I've all, all these things I'm concentrating on, and uh, it, honestly, it wasn't until I got an email from Alcatraz Festival asking if we'd be able, the Alcatraz Festival 
sent me an email and said, would you be interested in taking Anthrax's spot on this bill for a 35th anniversary of Forbidden Evil, one exclusive European show? And, and they said, I quote, would you be interested in doing it with another singer since Russ is not willing to do this or healthy enough to do it? And Chris Contos on drums, because he's, a, uh, I know you already play with him, and it would make a great story for you know the people of Europe. Sure. They love they love Machine Head. They love Burn My Eyes. You know, so I literally pushed my chair back from my computer and thought the universe is telling me something. I have to at least consider this. And I called my manager and I said, "Dude, this is going on. This is what I'm like. I'm thinking I need to do this. Uh, we got We got to figure out who's going to play drums because Mark Hernandez had to quit." Uh, Quit Forbidden in 2011 on tour, and, and we had to cancel an entire European tour because he quit last minute. So he wasn't in the band. You know, I was playing with him in Dress of Dead, but he was not in Forbidden. Right. He was not. He hasn't been in Forbidden since 2011. We had Sasha Horn come in and replace him, who's not an ex-order. Oh, okay. But I mean, you know, I had a lot to figure out, and I had to call up Matt, and he was into it, and I had to call up Steve, and he was into it. And I, and I said to both of them, I you know, obviously Norman, I mean, they're like, yeah, obviously Norman, you know, like everyone's like, obviously Norman. And then Chris was the last ingredient because I talked to a bunch of drummers. He was, he was suggesting drummers to us because he didn't want to fuck up our friendship. Oh, okay. I didn't want to fuck up the friendship. You know, we played together already. I didn't, I didn't know if, you know, it was right for him. And then I, I said, look, dude, I've made all these calls. These guys are all interested. They all live out of town. You live right here. One last chance. I don't want you mad at me because you didn't take the opportunity when I was there. Are you interested? And he said, yeah, I'm interested. Let's fucking do this. Right. So that's how that lineup came together. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, writing lyrics already. I'm going to take a different approach to this record. And I'm going to actually write... Uh, what I want to write about is going to be the first thing. Yeah. And some riffs will just happen naturally because they always do. Sure. They always write riffs. Sure. But what I'm, I'm conceptualizing how I want the sound to sound right now and the approach and lyrical content and concepts because I just want everything to be like, uh, you know, cohesive stories. Uh, not, not a concept album, but I'm just saying I want everything to have, uh, you know, when I'm writing the riffs, I want to have a picture in my mind this time. Sure. So, and I think that'll lend itself to being an even better record. Oh, yeah. It's still going to be crazy. They're still going to be crazy riffs. They're going to be hard. They're going to be difficult. They're going to be intricate. They're going to be forbidden. No, actually, it was different guys. Uh, Rob Flynn, that you know. Sure. Yeah, it was Rob and his friend Jim Pittman. Okay. Uh, wanted to start a band for years, and I knew Rob, or not for years. It was about a year. I knew Rob for about a year before Forbidden Evil got started. And, okay. Uh, and you know, we talked about playing together, but I just started playing guitar. I mean, I had just started, but I was the only other thrash kid in town besides him and Pittman, the, the drummer that they had. Nice. Uh, there was no other thrash people around. I mean, dude, we were like it. We were, we, there were some older uh, older guys, only a couple years older, but they seemed older, in a band called Fort Reich, and they were they were like kind of the leaders that we all looked up to, uh -huh. but they were yeah, high school, and no one in high school besides us knew shit about thrash metal. So we were already friends. I got introduced to Rob through a mutual friend said we'd like the same shit you should meet this guy so I met him and and 
they, they didn't have anything going on or really a band, but Rob was playing guitar. He wanted to sing. He wanted to be a singer more than he wanted to play guitar. Fast forward to them starting something, uh, and Rob calling me up and saying, hey, man, come over. You got to check this singer out we got. You know, I'll come pick you up, and, and, and you got to watch this guy sing. And it was Russ. Oh, wow. And yeah, he moved up from L.A., and they found him in this... Uh, or yeah, I think Russ found their ad in Bam Magazine, which is a local music rag. Sure. So I went in the room and see this big. He had white hair at the time, because uh, just came from L.A. White, white frizzy hair. <laughs> Not like Vince Neil. It was it was way more fried than that. You know, it was just wild. And uh, I was like, who's this fucking big guy? You know, he's just this giant guy with huge arms, like muscles. And I was like, holy fuck, he's just way bigger. He looks. You know, he looks old. He's like probably twenty-two. Oh and wow! I was I was fifteen. You know, <laughs> so, uh, so you know, I, I they they went into some cover songs. They did shit like Hellbent for Leather," "Am I Evil," uh, "Restless and Wild." Nice. And I was blown away. It was only covers, and uh, all the other guys left to go get cigarettes and beer, and Russ stayed back. And I just sat there talking to Russ, and I was like you mind if I pick up the guitar and play a little bit? And I started jamming. I think I went into Balls of the Wall and he sang the entire thing. We went through the entire song and he looked at me and he's like, you know what, dude? You're way better than our other guitar player. You should be in this band. I'm all, well, you tell Rob. <laughs> That's how it happened. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, wasn't, they weren't, they were throwing around names. Forbidden Evil was one of like, when I joined the band, it was one of like six or seven stupid names we were throwing around. Right, and uh, then we came right back to it, and and uh, that ended up being our name. Are you and Rob still cool, or is that something? Oh that's... yeah, we're, we're really good. Friends. Oh good. Yeah, yeah, I could go through that, but I, I, I tell you, as far as my, I, I've been through a lot with Rob, dude. We were, you know, he's a couple years older than me. Sure. And I really, really looked up to him, and uh, you know, I mean, I was, you know, he was, he was the one who started the band technically because they found Russ, right? So. But when he left, you know, okay, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of subtext here. And I don't really have time to get into all of it. But I'll tell you that Please, yeah. we were all friends with violence. We were all buddies and, and got along with those guys. And uh, to this day, it's funny because a couple guys still try to deny it. But it, this, this really happened. The, uh, t- the drummer and the old singer, Jerry, came to my house one day and knocked on my door and my mom was in the front and she brought these guys back. She said, these guys are here to see you, Perry and Jerry. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? And they, and they basically tried to recruit me for violence. Really? They tried to, yes, they did. And I was like, why would you want me? I'm like, I, like, I don't know. I'm like, I like your band, but not that much. I'm in the more than heavy metal. You guys are like, you know, kind of punky. I'm like, you know, why did she ask Rob? And this is the exact quote from, from Perry Strickland, the drummer, because you're violence material and he's not. Fast forward, and I said, no, thank you. Fast forward a couple months later, Rob gets the gig. I was sitting there going, holy shit. And I didn't, in the moment, I was so angry that I didn't bother like saying I said no to that. I just said a lot of things. <laughs> right. I was like 16 years old, and I was like, I just started saying things to Rob. And, you know, we became rivals, you know? From that point on, we became rivals for years. And uh, we were still friends, but it was it was weird. And the band, the Violence Band, was really, really like competitive with us, and got super. 
kind of dickish for you know a long time and then we ended up with the same manager we got debbie bono and then they heard we got debbie bono that they had to get debbie bono right and, and then then they got a contract and then we we're like and debbie's like well i wanted to wait a little while so to get you guys a contract and then we got a better contract and then you know they did their tours with testament and stuff like that and then we got our tours and we did bigger tours and got to go to europe but they didn't get to go and so there was a lot of resentment from that camp that fueled Rob big time into starting Machine Head eventually because he was kind of like the, the last guy at the totem pole in that band, even though in many ways he was, he was arguably the most talented to fill Devil, you know? So those guys, you know, they had their thing. And then years and years later, after all the shit and Rob's successes and all the things I've done and a lot of things you don't know that I've done, and, you know, I had many, I was on a major label for many years, you know, I had a lot of things happening. And uh, we came back to being really good friends again. We got together and did a, a benefit for uh, a friend of ours whose husband died in a, in a motorcycle accident. And oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, you know, it happened years ago. And I approached Rob about doing a benefit for her, doing some Black Sabbath songs and just playing the obscure heavy stuff. And then we ended up getting guys from Metallica and Testament and Exodus and Death Angel and High on Fire and my band Spiral Arms and just a bunch of stuff so that started a friendship and it really reminded me of who Rob is as a person and what people don't understand and you know to each their own dude but Rob's he's he's just he's for lack of a better term he's enigmatic and he's a control freak you know and he's got to control things and uh, that's why it rubs some people absolutely the wrong way. But at the end of the day, you can't argue with his success, what he gets done, and how hard he works. Some people can't handle it. Some people envy it. Some people get pissed about it. Some people just constantly misread him. But I don't. I love the guy. He's still my friend. I told him, I'm like, dude, because we were talking before the show. He's like, well, you know, we're going to call this Rob Flynn and Friends because we need to sell a lot of tickets. And I go, and he's all, because you know, I mean, I've sold X amount of this and that and the other. I go, I don't give a fuck. Bro, I don't give a fuck. I mean, I do, I literally see the kid that I knew when I look in your eyes, and that's the guy I like. And I, none of that matters to me, Rob. Yes, I know you're successful. I don't care. So we cleared that up, and we've been good ever since. You gotta like him well, for that. Yeah, so. he's, he's a great songwriter and a great guitar player, and he's very underrated as a guitarist because he's a singer. So people overlook the fucking ripping guitar shit that he does. And, you know, and he plays, like, all the guitars on the albums, except for some solos. Right. And he plays a bunch of those, too. So he's, he's Rob is, he's, he's as, as talented as it comes in, in our genre. You know? I mean, he's metal. Whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. genre of whatever, it's still metal. And I'm really proud of him. I love the dude. And he'd be uncomfortable with even talking too much about him, because he likes to keep machine head shit machine head. Sure. That's what I mean by the control freak side. <laughs> but, at the, but at the end of the day, I mean, I've got zero problems with Rob, dude. And, and, you know, I mean, truth be known, I had an opportunity to join the band this last time around. Really? Oh, many times. I mean, it, was, it, was a, it was thrown in as an opportunity. And, uh, and I just figured, kind of like with, with Chris Contos and me and Forbidden, I, I just said, I just do not want to risk the friendship. Uh, over sure. being your employee and being under, you know, because I write my own songs that I don't. Oh yeah, I have to throw my shit through Rob's filter, and then it, it, so it's it, it's it's better this way. Oh sure, it's absolutely. Smaller, it's smaller. It's it's smaller. You know, Forbidden's much much smaller. 
but I'm comfortable here, and I'm not trying to be a rock star. You know. I'm, oh sure. If whatever happens, whatever comes our way, I'm cool with small and being a cult man, and I'm I'm okay. And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm.